Welcome to the Gathering Network Covenant Partner Podcast, a conversation designed to help covenant partners live Jesus-shaped lives. Well, good morning, Gathering Network. I'm Ben Myers. I'm here with John Shirley today. What is going on, Ben Myers? How are you, buddy? Dude, I am well, man. And you? Doing really, really well. Doing really well. Glad to be with you today. Dude, I'm glad to be with you too. A little dreary outside. It is a little dreary out there, man. Maybe we'll get some sunshine tomorrow. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, spring's coming, man. Right on, right on. Hey, listen, let's walk through some of these announcements uh, that we have for our covenant partners so that we can get to the bulk of this part two episode with Marcus Warner. Uh, that I'm really excited to share with everybody. Announcement number one, it's kind of in your corner. LTP is coming around the bend. Tell us That's about That's right. Man, we are so pumped for LTP. We are uh, taking applications. Just want to remind people that if they have somebody that's on their heart and their mind for LTP, send them to leadershiptrainingproject.org. They can find answers to questions that they have. They can apply directly right there. 18 to 23-year-olds, we're going for it. We're super excited for the summer. All right, so April 16th is a Missional Community Sunday, and it is also Easter. So here around the Gathering Network, our MCs are free to think about the way that they're going to celebrate Easter together. It's always fun, man, to hear the way that missional communities are celebrating together. You know, we've got some that observe a sunrise service together. We've got others that head to different parks around the city and have a small Easter reflection time together. Um, we've got others that share a meal together on that day. Uh, But all in all, our hope is that we're connecting with those that we love in order to celebrate, you know, that Jesus is risen indeed. So it will be important to check with your missional community leader regarding what your missional community's plan is. May is going to be here before we know it, which means abiding season for the Gathering Network is just around the corner. If you're new to the Gathering Network, May is a cultural moment for us. It's kind of counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive in the way that John 15 describes. In that passage, Jesus makes this claim, and of course we're going to paraphrase here, but he essentially tells his disciples that they should think of abiding the way that a gardener thinks of pruning a plant. He says that branches that bear fruit need to be pruned so they can bear more fruit. Well, we want to be a fruitful movement. And so every May, we observe a corporate abiding so resting from fruitfulness so that we can bear more fruit in the coming year. So that means that we will not have 61 during the month of May, and it means that missional communities, D-groups, huddles, they're all free to decide how they want to handle meeting together through that month. The hope here is that we'll capitalize on the relationships we have in the Gathering Network and use these open spaces of time to connect intentionally. So connect with Jesus, connect with those in your spiritual family, And remember, no 61, May 14th, May 28th. All right, Ben, so today is part two of our interview with Marcus Warner. That's right, man. Marcus is an author, and he's the president of Deeper Walk International, and he spoke at 61 a few weeks back. He and I did an interview together. He was also the last guest on our podcast, and he's the author of a book called Rare Leadership That's Becoming pretty influential around here. In this episode, he references a man named Jim Wilder a few times. Jim is a psychiatrist and a theologian who has pioneered the development of what's being called neurotheology. He wrote a book called Living from the Heart Jesus Gave You probably 15 years ago, and it sold over 100,000 copies now, and he wrote Rare Leadership, 
with Marcus Warner. And Marcus's work is to take the thought of Jim Wilder and to distill it down into really portable teachings, which is what he's done in Rare Leadership, and it's been really helpful for us. In part one, we discussed a pretty simple, actually it was a simplistic intro to brain science. So brain science has shown us a few things. Number one is that our brains have two sides, a right side and our left side. Tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, so the right side of our brain is the relational side. And then we've got the left side, which is the analytical and the problem solving side. So when we experience like these big, scary, overwhelming, negative emotions, things like anger and sadness, shame, anxiety, despair, disgust, we lose our neurological capacity to stay with people who made us feel those things. So where we were feeling connected and relational in our right brain, when we get set off with those negative emotions, our right brain, the relational side, shuts down and the information moves over to the left side of our brain. We start to problem solve the situation. So what actually happens is that the person who we once felt attuned to then becomes a problem that we need to solve and that joy in the relationship shuts down. And so we need to find a way to return to joy. In part one, Marcus taught us that joy is what we feel when we're glad to be with the people that we're with and when we know and trust that they're glad to be with us in return. In this episode, Marcus makes these fantastic points. Number one, he says that sustainable movements are led by healthy people. Yeah, the second point that he makes then is that there is a difference between connection and belonging. Belonging is all about being with people who are glad to be with me, regardless of what state I am in. The third point that he makes is that we might be struggling to hear the voice of God if we've lost a foundation of grace in our lives. The next one that he goes to is that a healthy soul is a soul that can give and receive love. Yeah, number five is that leadership comes down to how we treat weakness, starting with our own weaknesses. Mm. We are really excited about our covenant partners getting to hear this episode today because we feel like it's going to be a gift to you, something that will strengthen you, comfort you, and encourage you. That's our hope. So let's jump into this last episode with Marcus Warner. The reason why this work that you have done is so important to us is because you have said that sustainable movements are led by healthy leaders. And I'm really intrigued by the idea of people in spiritual families. I think that the best billboard that we have in America for the kingdom of God right now are healthy families, families, spiritual families that work correctly, that work their stuff out and love each other well. And this work is important because it's maturing and growing people to relate to one another in a in a healthy in a healthy way can you tell us about this idea that sustainable movements are led by healthy people yeah sure the uh it's what you find is that if you're not a healthy person nothing you do sustainable healthy people find what there is to enjoy in what they're doing and they, uh, they find a rhythm to life. And this rhythm has to do with there's a time to engage and there's a time to disengage. And uh, 
Yeah. And with, I, when I'm with my people, I don't have to wear a mask. I can just be myself. I can bring all of my brokenness, all of my emotions, and uh, they're going to be happy to see me. They may so not be able would, to fix me, but they're going to be happy yeah, to see me. That's what we would call a spiritual family right there. Right. Yeah. That, so what happens with all of us is that we're all, as John Eldridge put it, unfinished people. Mm-hmm. And so very few, if any of us, uh, actually are unwounded and have all of this figured out. So what happens is, uh, but if if I'm not afraid to feel shame, because I know that I can feel shame and come back and be with people who are happy to be with me, mm-hmm. um, I'm less afraid of experiencing shame. If I'm, uh, if if uh, I know that I can feel fear or anger, and I can still come back with uh, to my people, and they're going to be happy to see me, and they're going to help me return to to a state of joy and a state of peace. I don't have to be afraid of those emotions. And if I'm not afraid of those emotions, life becomes an adventure to be lived. I can go out there and I can try all kinds of things and not be afraid of the emotion that's going to make me feel. And I become more adventurous. I become more bold. I become uh, more willing to take risks. And a lot of that grows out of the fact that I know my people are with me and I'm not alone in anything that I do. And that's the power of spiritual family. It's the power of, of, of true belonging. Because there's a difference between connecting and belonging. Connecting means, you know, my name's on the membership rolls. I'm a part of what's going on. You know, I show up and I'm an attendee. Yeah. Belonging means these are my people. Wow. <laughs> right. Right. Yep. And it's one, helpful. We use the word connect a lot. And I, I think belong is a, is a better word. It's a better, better paradigm for sure. It is kind of interesting to, one of the things I've noticed in small groups, for example, over the years, is that a lot of times small groups that have been established for a long time uh, have trouble going very deep. Because the culture has already been established that says, this is how, go- how deep we will go in talking about our stuff. Mm. And sometimes it's easier to take 12 people who've never met and get them to go deeper with each other. And the reason is because you're establishing the culture from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And like this is a place where we take off our masks and we're open and we're honest and we lay it out on the table and we love each other. And we, you know, whereas in a lot of places you can be connected and you go but it's not really deep and you don't necessarily have the feeling that these are my people. And I think that's one of the, been the biggest challenges in the small group movement across the country is there's a lot of people who are connected, but don't belong in community. I find, and I discover myself relationally by who I belong to. Mm. And the challenge here is that if I don't belong to kingdom people, I will find my belonging elsewhere. And whoever I feel like I belong to, those become my people. That is what is going to drive what I believe, what I value, and how I live. Right. My values and my beliefs and worldview are going to get shaped by who I belong to. We know what a healthy body looks like. What does a healthy soul look like? I use the analogy of a well. There's a lot of ministries that go and and dig wells for poor communities that don't have good, fresh drinking water. And one of these uh, was going to a town in India to dig a well for them and found out they already had a well. So they had a little meeting. Do we reclaim this well or do we dig a new one? And what they decided was, okay, uh, let's reclaim the well that they got. So they started, and literally what had happened when the well stopped being of use, it became the town dump. Mm. So they found trash in there. They literally found broken toilet in there. Uh, they got halfway down and found a cobra's nest. Wow. Yeah. Uh, true story. It's not going to work. <laughs> nope. So they uh, got some specialists in, removed the cobras, finished cleaning it out, got to the bottom and found out that the foundation stones had collapsed and were clogging the spring. Hmm. 
And so they uh, reset the foundation stones, they pressure washed out the well, and uh, they punched through, and all of a sudden the well filled up with nice, clean spring water for everybody to drink. And what had been the town eyesore and the town dump suddenly became a source of life to the whole community. Hmm. So I look at this and I think, all right, there's there's a real analogy here to the Christian life, and that is that a lot of us feel like that broken down well. We know the Holy Spirit's down in there somewhere. We know the life of God is in us somewhere, but it's all clogged up, doesn't seem to be able to flow. Why? You know, why, if the Holy Spirit is within me, is it just not seem to have a flow? Yeah. And it's generally because it's clogged, and usually that starts at the foundation. And the foundation is grace, and that is that if I don't have a foundation of grace that understands that God loves me on my worst day, mm-hmm. that God is excited to be with me even when I fail because he knows that I'm that he's exactly who I need right then mm-hmm. right and the foundation of grace is what we build everything else on and when that happens the spirit can can fill our lives and when we as we learn to walk in the spirit and we learn to live out of grace and we learn to deal with the baggage that's been collecting then what happens is our soul gets healthy mm-hmm. and we become who we were made to be and we become life givers, and there's a joy in being a life giver. And so a healthy soul, right, is a soul that can give and receive love. Right. Right. So if I can give love, if I can receive God's love, then I can give that love to other people. And, uh, and that's why kingdom belonging is such a huge thing. Leadership comes down to how you treat weakness starting with how you treat your own weakness. So how I treat my weakness, if I shame myself when I'm weak, then as a leader, I'm gonna end up shaming my group when they're weak. If I get angry with myself when I'm weak, then I'm gonna end up getting angry at my group when they're weak. If uh, weakness in me makes me scared, like everything's gonna fall apart, this isn't gonna work, my life's a mess, it'll never be better, then I'm gonna communicate fear and lead with fear. If I'm depressed, like this is hopeless, I'm never gonna get turned around, then hopelessness is gonna drive what I'm doing as a leader. So it all comes down to how I deal with my own weakness. It's not that I'm gonna get rid of my weakness, but I've gotta learn how to be gentle and tender with the weakness, not excusing it, but creating a, uh, but affirming that it's there and recognizing that I need to do something to grow. Mm-hmm and to continue to grow. And that's what I would want to do for those people. I would want to, as a leader, validate their weakness, say it's okay to be weak, but I don't want to enable your weakness so you can stay there for the rest of your life. We got to find some way where together we can help you grow. Together, yeah. That's the key word, because too often it's kind of like the parent who says to the three-year-old, stop throwing a temper tantrum. You go to your room until you get some maturity. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, that's never going to happen, right? What three-year-old's going to go to their room and teach themselves maturity? Right, yeah. Right? It's got to be a, uh, uh, together we're going to get through this. And so that's what uh, leaders are really good at. And if the leader isn't necessarily the one who's going to help them, what the leader will do is find somebody who can help them. Mm-hmm. But we're going to, the point is, we're not going to leave you alone in your weakness. We're not going to leave you alone with this problem. We're going to find people who have the strength you're missing so that they can help you develop that strength and so that you don't stay with that same level of weakness. But that's kind of the idea. This is what, why we love following rare leaders, because they don't leave us alone in their weakness. They're gentle towards it. They're tender towards it. And they find ways to help us get stronger that involve other people coming alongside of us. Right. So that there's yeah. a sense of belonging. We're going to help you because you're one of us. You know, yeah. you're my people. Yeah. Yeah.
the concept of enduring hardship well as a as a rare leader, I think, makes the world survivable. Yeah. But to quote uh, uh, Princess Bride, <laughs> life is pain, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anybody right. you know tells you otherwise, trying to sell you something, right? Yeah. When I first got a hold of this concept, I was. Uh, uh, in a leadership thing with uh, Dr. Wilder, and he, uh, we were all giving our personal mission statements. And uh, mine was equipping people to win life's battles. Mm. And uh, his was equipping the church to suffer well. We all face hardship. Somebody said one time, if suffering made people great, we would all be great. But it's not suffering that makes people great. It's, how, it's the choices you make as you go through the suffering. It's how you, it's how you go through the suffering. And hardship has to do with the idea that the more joy capacity that I have, the less I'm afraid of hardship. Mm-hmm. But if I don't have joy capacity, I, I'm very afraid of hardship. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I will avoid it as much as possible. Man, this is all just so valuable to us in, in the context we're in. And I, I just can't thank you enough for your work and your influence and for uh, giving some time to us this weekend and, and even just sitting down with me today, man. This really means the world to me. And, I'm, and I, I just really appreciate your work, man. It's changing my life. Thanks. So, well, it's been a privilege. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Ben, I'm curious about you, man. What, what was your big takeaway from listening to this today? Yeah, man, I, I feel like there was so much that was so rich in it um, when he was talking about being communities of joy, that we need to be communities of belonging and communities that reflect grace to each other. Mm-hmm. You know, the kind of grace that says, that I'm, I'm glad to be with you no matter what state you're in. I'm glad to be with you. I'm glad to give you love. And then I'm also glad to receive love from you. That's just, that's such a big deal. And this was my takeaway, that being joy-filled, grace-filled communities of belonging is about being communities that are tender with one another's weaknesses. Well, this has given me language to examine my own heart and my own leadership and to ask myself first, am I being tender with my own weakness? Are the foundation stones of grace in place in my life? Is the well of my soul filled with healthy, fresh water springing up out of God's relentless tenderness to me? Because if I'm not tender with my weakness... I won't be tender with other people's weaknesses. If I'm not tender with other people's weakness, then my family and the community around me won't be a wellspring of joy, grace, and belonging, which is everything that I want them to be. Well, good news today, we can be tender toward weakness because Jesus is tender towards our weakness. So Gathering Network, we want you to know that Jesus is tender towards your weakness today. Mm. He's glad to be with you in whatever state that you're in. You belong in the community of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that you are loved. God, we thank you for wise guides that you have put into our lives. We thank you for leading us to joy and grace and freedom and belonging today. Amen. 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 Everybody, feel free to share this podcast with anyone that you think would be interested And again, we love you today. God bless you. We stand to greet the sun. We stand to greet the sun. We stand to greet the sun.